Hi, and welcome to the Inspired Jewish Woman podcast. I absolutely love and value that you are here with us right now, and I hope you will hear something on today's episode that will touch your heart and soul in a beautiful way. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome, Jordana, to this installment of our weekly podcast, Inspiring Jewish Women, because I believe that you are an inspiring Jewish woman, and also we today will inspire Jewish women. Wonderful. So let's just introduce you. Our guest today is a dear friend that lives here in Portland, Oregon, and I have no words. When I met you, Jordana, I remember leaving and saying to myself, I have met my match because you are someone that has the same determination and passion and drive to move forward in your life and to help people everywhere you go. I mean, I, I, I remember our first meeting, I felt like I wish I took notes. Like, you know, you don't, I don't usually take notes at a coffee meeting, but you have so many nuggets of wisdom. You told me something about how every person has this, this sign on their forehead that says, make me feel important or notice me. And, and, and that's really been a life changer for me. So you've impacted my life in so many ways. And we're going to share today just how our friendship has blossomed. And just say hi to everybody and where are you at in your life? Thank you, Eve. What an honor. Thank you for the opportunity to talk with you. You know, you have such a broad community of people that you interact with. So to the fact that I get Eve to myself for an hour or whatever, however long, just feels like such a gift. So thank you for the opportunity. And we have so much in common and the way that we carry out our lives and the way that we want to impact people. And it's really an honor to share space with you this morning. So it's morning here in Portland now. It doesn't even matter. The world is so small nowadays, different time zones, everything fades away. True. There's so much we, we want to share over here. I think the underlying message that, that we really want to talk about and hash out and inspire other people to, to delve deeper into is this idea of practicing curiosity. And, you know, it's interesting, that term is a term that my marriage therapists use a lot. I don't know, have you heard of it from like a marriage therapy uh, no. tool? So supposedly there's um, a woman by the name of Byron Katie, who has these marriage tools and seminars and all of that. And one of her tools is practicing curiosity. Mm. And, and it's something that like we've really incorporated into our marriage. But in our conversation, I realized that's what is making our relationship so incredible. Because if you look at us, we, we're probably pretty different on the outside, right? We raise our kids differently. They go to different camps, different schools. You know, we're both Jewish women, but we were raised differently. We look different. We dress different. We interact. I don't know. We're just different, right? I, you're Canadian and I want to be Canadian. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I guess like more important or, or, or I guess the biggest one is like, we serve God differently. Like our Judaism looks so different. I'm an Orthodox Jewish woman. And I don't know, what would you say, what would you even call yourself? Not to put labels, but, but I don't know, you, you're a Reformed Jewish woman, right? I suppose I'm a Reformed Jewish woman. I grew up in a conservative synagogue with grandparents that were definitely conservative, kept kosher and, you know, went to shul every weekend. And um, there was kind of a melting pot of sorts of, different Jewish exposure um, throughout my life. But at this point and how I'm raising my kids, I would say I would 
classify as reform, but I'm not huge on titles either. I just prefer to be Jewish. <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree. You know, our friend Jody Burkell from Canada, she says, labels are for clothing. I mm -hmm. love that one. It's so true, right? Yeah. But we, I guess it makes it easier for us. But in our conversations, like I'm talking going back to the beginning of our friendship, I, I've heard you say to me, well, I'm a reformed Jew. You know, like, I'm, or, and I've heard I have many reformed Jews and, and very often they'll use that term and, and it, it boggles my mind because I'm not really sure, well, what does that even mean? But sometimes friends will say to me, well, Eve, I'm a reformed Jew. I'm not that Jewish, mm. you know, and I'm like, no, 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 no. There's no such thing. It's either you're Jewish or you're not Jewish. But if you're Jewish, you, you know, you're all in, like there's no half bake over here. So it's been interesting to kind of peel through and break through those barriers that I think we put around ourselves. Like we put ourselves in boxes. And I guess going back to the beginning of our relationship, there were definitely some barriers that we had to overcome to really, really go into a beautiful budding and hopefully for many years to come, it should grow and grow and keep learning from each other relationship and friendship. So yeah. what were those barriers? I'm curious. <laughs> Let's practice some curiosity here. I'm curious, like, what was it like for you when you got this cold call from this woman who works for a Jewish organization saying, Jordana, I'd love to meet you? I am more or less a native Portlander. Uh, and I, I knew that you had come to town. I had heard rumblings. <laughs> and, um, and when I got the call from you, yeah, there was a part of me that was uh, honored because I thought, oh, well, here's somebody new in town and they want to connect with me. And I, that always is an honor when somebody wants to connect. So that was cool. But there was definitely a part of me with guard up and feeling this sense of, um, I wonder what her agenda is. And ultimately probably this feeling of, I think she has a motivation to change me in some way to challenge my Judaism and uh, kind of question what I'm doing or why and and really kind of this hierarchy of well there was this is all assumption in my mind this that whatever she's doing and whatever kind of Judaism she's practicing is better than what I'm doing and is more and is um, is what I should be doing and I felt this resistance almost like I didn't even want to necessarily know. I didn't even, I, I mean, I wanted to meet you, but I also was like, I don't want any of that. I'm very comfortable with who I am in my Judaism and how I'm raising my kids. And at the time I was uh, the general manager at the Jewish Community Center and I was heavily involved in um, an overnight Jewish summer camp, B'nai B'rith camp here. And my kids were going to Jewish day school. And yet I had this feeling of like, Eve's gonna somehow make me feel like I'm not doing enough in my practice of Judaism. Wow. And that was interesting to kind of confront myself and wonder why, why am I even like, I haven't even met the woman yet. Why am I so concerned that she's going to have, you know, I don't know if it was judgment or just, uh, something to try and lure me with. And wow. that kind of curiosity, my curiosity is ultimately at least on my end, what, what made me say, yes, let's go have coffee. I did want to hear what you were up to. And I remember pressing you a little bit on, okay, you're planning these fabulous trips, but really like what's after the trip? Like, mm -hmm. we're like, 
Where's the hook? <laughs> and here we are. I don't know how many years later, but you still haven't hooked. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't hooked? You've hooked me in other ways, but you haven't tried to change me in my Judaism. <laughs> no, no, I think you're so great, just as you are, Jordana. And honestly, you've changed my life in, in more ways than you can imagine. So, so I just want to go back to this idea because it's, it's very common. And imagine, I mean, I've been in Jewish outreach for probably 15 years now, well over a decade in the States. But in, in Israel, we were also doing work like, you know, bringing Jews in to programs, to trips, showing the love, our love of Judaism. I mean, it, it's, not, it's not a job for me. It's, this is my passion. Like, I, I believe, like, we have such a gift and if a Jew might not have it or doesn't yet know about a certain things, like I'm so excited to share it with them. But that's about it. Like the fact that I happen to work for different organizations is just, it's just like, I feel like God gives me my salary and I've had different jobs over the years, but it makes no difference. It's like, this is my, my passion and my love. But it's, it's sad for me to hear that you think that, that by me reaching out or inviting you to my house for a Shabbat meal, it was, it, you thought I was kind of going to like missionize you and it was a, a fearful experience. And, and I'm so grateful that you made space to even have this conversation because that is a scary place to be. Nobody wants to be on someone's agenda, right? People want um, genuine, honest relationships and, and friendships. And that means like there's two parts in it and it's making space for each other. So, and, and it's interesting. I don't know if it's a Portland thing, um, because before Portland, I lived in Denver. In Denver, people made a lot of space. They were just like, come on in. Yes, let's go. Like recruitment for trips was like easy, easy peasy. But I feel like when I came here, I remember trying to get my first coffee dates with women. Like people, there were a lot of guards up. Yeah. It was a very humbling experience. I, I left hundreds of women in Denver and I came here and I remember it took weeks until the first person I remember it was actually Janet Kennedy. Do you know Janet? Oh, yeah. Amazing friend. She felt so bad for me. <laughs> I think I called her four times. She's like, okay, I'll have coffee with you. <laughs> She's a love. I know. Uh, you know, I, I just want to add to that, that, you know, there was definitely the skepticism of what's the agenda, but I also think for me, and I, I can't, obviously, I don't want to speak on behalf of, you know, Portland Jewish women, reformed Jewish women or anything. But for me, there was also this sense of um, fear isn't the right word, but a little discomfort with different. Mm -hmm. So the idea of, yes, you and Gadi invited my family for Shabbat dinner. And I am, I'm married to a man who was raised Catholic, who is lovingly raising our children alongside me in a Jewish environment. And he himself is, you know, totally immersed um, in Jewish life here. But that there was some, I don't know, trepidation maybe of going into this Orthodox Jewish home. And my kids have had very little exposure to, and the feeling of, are we going to do something wrong? I mean, and I remember actually sitting at Shabbat dinner and we, I don't remember if it was Ryan or the kids or maybe even me, we touched some, oh, we talked. That's what it was. After we, you wash hands, Ryan started trying to have a conversation with Gotti. <laughs> and, and, it was, and it was this like, I'm like, elbowing Ryan, you know, next to the table. And I don't even know what right. the right thing to do or not, but, the, but you both made it so comfortable in an, in a relatively different, uh, potentially uncomfortable environment. And even like, what's okay for our kids to do or not do. And I remember if it was your daughter that was like, mommy, 
are we allowed to flush the toilet? <laughs> it could have been. <laughs> yes, flush the toilet. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> but that's, it was the different. And, and there was a way that you welcomed us into your home. And I've had this experience with a few other Orthodox families in Portland. And I'm grateful because it's that exposure, that curiosity and that exposure to different that makes us so much richer in culture. So while you and I can practice our Judaism very differently, I could have gone for the rest of my life not ever having been able to ask questions of Orthodox Jews or be in their home to understand what it's like to have Shabbat dinner. You know, my Shabbat dinner at my house looks very, very, very different. Not, there's no judgment on it. Like there's no right or wrong. It's just very different. And I am, it was such a gift, not just for my kids to be able to have that experience, but for me as an adult to have that experience. And I translate that to so many other things in my life. And that's kind of where this whole curiosity thing, you know, asking questions, immersing yourself in communities that look different than yours, in surrounding yourself around people that do things differently than you, not necessarily so that you can condone it or that you can like it, or it's not about judgment. It's about exposure and experience so that you can uh, formulate uh, more about who you are and have a, an understanding that's firsthand rather than an assumption, I guess. And I love that. I think that's that whole curiosity thing. I think that's what makes us more alive and more able to serve the world, really, uh, when we know for ourselves and we can ask for ourselves rather than making assumptions about what it's like. And I was grateful for the gift to be able to bring my family into your home for a Shabbat or to travel around the world with you yeah, I didn't know what that would be like. And your husband, I mean, he also jumped in. So, wow, that's so special. And I, I just, if you think about curiosity, I, I think about being a young girl, like being, you know, a young child that's still developing and you hear ideas and you're like, wow, what, what does that even mean? Or, you know, I'm, I'm sure with your kids now, especially with everything that's going on in the world, there are many conversations that we're having where you see the wheels in their brain just turning. Like, I mean, I know that you drove your kids downtown to where the, the riots were and you see all the, the broken glass and the wooded up storefronts and it breaks your heart, but it's, it's, a, it's an opportunity to really have amazing dialogue with our children and you see how they're just, they're so open to so many ideas. That was something spectacular. I, I'm glad you mentioned it. I, I wanted to give them some exposure to what, what's going on in our in our community and in our world right now with Black Lives Matter. And I was struggling a little bit to figure out how to frame the conversation. And we don't regularly have the news on in our home. And I'm sure they were picking, I know they were getting stuff from their peers and just, you know, from stuff that they are exposed to. But I felt like I hadn't infused as their mom started a conversation around around racism and what's going on with what happened to George Floyd and Ahmad a few weeks earlier. And, and I was trying to frame it. And I, so I did decide, okay, I'm going to take them downtown and we're just middle of the afternoon. We're just going to go walk around. And I hadn't been down myself, so I didn't really know what I was up against. But I was, as I was going down there, I was thinking, okay, what am I going to like talk about? What questions am I going to ask them? What, what's my messaging? And I, the reason I'm telling you this story is that I think this is really poignant for just in life and the idea of curiosity. As soon as I parked the car, and we put our masks on, we got out of the car, 
and we just started walking. It was very quiet downtown, which I didn't know that it was going to be like that. I took a deep breath and I realized I don't have to teach them anything right now. It was so powerful. We walked quietly for a few minutes and then we came up on uh, the store, the Apple storefront that has kind of the, um, the largest murals and the, and the largest sort of messaging that we found downtown at the time. And I just sort of stood there and let them read and I let them look at things and they had their phones so they could take pictures and kind of document it for themselves they asked me questions and they shared insights with me that I could not have come up with if I had prefabbed, you know, this is our agenda for this, this experience. And if I had gone into it with, this is what you're going to see. This is, I, you know, I want, I'm going to want to know how you feel about this. You know, what are your thoughts on that? How can we do, you know, if I had kind of had that agenda and thwarted the curiosity, there's no way that I would have heard the words come out of my children's mouths. And the, I, you know, you talk about their wheels always turning for, for weeks. Um, mm -hmm. We just returned from a road trip in some national parks and they're still very much thinking about it. And, and, and mm -hmm. I, it gives me hope and optimism for their generations because at their young ages, how, how they're viewing it. It's not that they, they don't see it. It's not that they don't know what's going on. They do know what's going on and they see a possibility for something different. And there's, that's wow. really different than just not knowing. And then as an adult being like, well, I didn't know anything about that. So of course I'm not a racist because I didn't even know that that was a thing. Yeah, you know, these kids yeah. are exposed, are exposed and getting curious and, and deciding for themselves what's right and wrong. And, oh, that was, that was really a great reminder that, you, when you enter curiosity, you don't have to have an agenda. That's the whole thing about it, that it's like, you don't really know where it's going to go. And it is sometimes a little uncomfortable, but you always grow. You know, Jordana, you're, you, you talking about this really brings me back to our Poland trip. You know, our theme was find the light, be the light. We were even in the darkest of places. We were looking for those sparks, those individuals that really, they, they went against the grain of their culture of the society and they risked their lives. We met with this woman, uh, um, one of the righteous Gentiles whose family, they hid a Jewish girl. They, they helped her survive the years in the Holocaust and she went on to Israel to have a beautiful family and life. Uh, unfortunately, I'm sad to tell you that that lady has, has recently passed away. You know, it's interesting in, in my communications for the next upcoming trip, I keep on asking the tour provider, are we having a righteous Gentile coming to speak to the group? Yeah. So he said, well, there are only like two or three left because, you know, they're in their 90s. And he said, but as long as she's alive, every single group that comes to Krakow, she will be there. She doesn't, she doesn't take money. Like she just like, this was her life. She wanted to share this message of, of, of really standing up for another human being. And, and the value of life. And it was such a power, that was a very, it was a big highlight of the trip for me, meeting her, hearing her stories, asking questions. So unfortunately, there are very few of these people to teach us these lessons. Like in a way we need to step up now, right? Um, so there was her, and there was also one more experience on the trip that was so mind boggling. It was our Polish guide, Martina. Oh, yeah, yeah. So she was amazing. And in my experience in the past, the Polish guide, like they navigated the way, they spoke Polish to the bus driver and they got us into 
all the places we needed to get into. But I didn't really give the Polish guide the microphone so much because I just, in the back of my mind, I felt like, well, what was their story? My grandparents and my whole family went through this hell. You know, over a hundred of my family were slaughtered in, in the Holocaust. Where were their grandparents? Were, which side were they on? That was always going through my mind. So with Marcelina, I don't know, there was something about her. She's such a lovely person that it gave me, there was that space and there was that curiosity to, to really lean in. And, and, and at one point, after really getting to see who she was and what a wonderful person, I mean, she's this Polish woman sending her one son to the JCC Jewish, Jewish yeah. Community Day School, you know, like Amazing. crazy. There was something like so, she had such a neshama, like such a, I'm like, are you sure you're not Jewish? <laughs> So um, at one point I gave her the microphone and bravely, and I was scared. I said to her, share where your, your story. Like where was your family during this? They, they lived in Krakow and we were in Krakow and it blew me away. She, she shared with us. I think they had to have a Nazi living in their apartment. Like it was really hard times for everyone. I mean, all the polls, everyone was the rations. I mean, it was like a hundred and something calories poor Jew in the ghetto. That was like their little, you know, stale bread. But the, the Polish people only had a little bit more than that. I mean, they had, let's say 200 or 300 calories. I mean, there was no food. It was a terrible time of war all around. It was just devastating. Mm. And she said that her grandmother would bake bread with the meager rations that they had. She would bake bread for the family. And then she would go into the bathroom into the, there was a small window their apartment bordered on the Krakow ghetto wall and she would throw bread from her window into the ghetto and I just I was like I'm so happy I asked her that like who knew I mean is that not a righteous person like sharing your meager meager I mean she had starving people that you know hungry hungry mouths to feed in their house but that act of humanity. I remember her expressing the danger of, of, you know, yeah, you're in the bathroom and presumably the door is closed, but if anybody on the outside had seen that crumb dropping, or <clears throat> it was very, it was, it was not just um, a, <clears throat> a humanitarian sort of, I want to do this. It was a courageous act. It was a very, uh, sh there was, there was a lot of threat involved with that. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not even, I'm not even, you know, when I compare that, that kind of courage, I'm not even talking right now of being that courageous per se. Like, I'm just talking about being curious. And mm -hmm. when you get curious enough and learn enough about something that, that sparks something in you, then you have to practice courage. And, and doing something different than you've done before because of that little spark that, that lights up in you and has you feeling like this isn't enough to just talk about or to learn about. I've got to do something about it. And that doing takes you from uh, that stage of curiosity to that stage of courage. And, and, and I, that's, everybody has to find those things in there. You don't have to do anything, but I'm on a mission to inspire people to get curious and then figure out what it is they want to get courageous about. Because to me, that's living your life fully. And, and I think, you know, in this case, her family was courageous enough 
to do something above and beyond, you know, the, the curiosity of helping somebody. It was, I'm going to act on this despite what the outcomes might be. And that's amazing. Yeah. We need more of that in the world. Which is, you know, if I would sum you up in one word, Jordana, I'd probably say courageous. Mm. And, you know, I've been with you, we spoke a little bit about the Poland Israel trip, which was, you know, our first big time together, like eight days traveling together. That's where we, we really like, we put was it only our, eight days. I don't know. It felt, felt like a month, right? Yes. <laughs> it's a very powerful, full experience. Definitely. Definitely. But, um, and then after that, we went to Thailand. And when we were in Thailand, you, know, you remember that cliff that people were able to jump off? Oh, yes. Yeah. I was like, so there was no part of me that was going to do that. You should just know, I'll take the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about the snake. Okay. No, the snake, I did that. That was crazy. We had like this 300 pound cobra like tied around our neck and the guy's like 50 baht, you know, you had to pay him 50 baht for your photo op. I was like hyperventilating. Yeah, it was pretty courageous. But, but honestly, in that, in that experience, in that trip, when we went to the mm-hmm. trafficking industry in Bangkok. I mean, for me, I remember sitting next to you in that session with this fabulous woman that was teaching us all about what goes on. Like, and I I was, I mean, maybe I'm a little sheltered. I didn't think I was, but I was, I was just like, I couldn't believe the things I was hearing. What, what, what people go through in that society and the injustice and, and, and I was, my mind was racing. But there was another part of it that like when I walked out and we're hearing all about, I, I felt almost embarrassed to be from the Western culture. Like, cause it's, it's really, it seemed like it was like the American men that come and support the sex industry. Like they, I think she said 70% of it is, is, is fueled by Americans, mm-hmm. which made me feel ashamed. And I felt like, I felt kind of disgusted for these girls and these women for making these choices but there was another thing that we were exposed to, which was kind of like the openness to understand where they're coming from, what they've had to deal with. You know, I, I don't know if you, if you want to speak to this for a little bit, if you had a aha moment or just like an understanding of like the hardship of, of the life that these people go through. They're just trying to support themselves. Like it, it, it kind of blew my mind how I came in, in one door with one perspective, like, and then I walked out with this more of like a, a human, like uh, my heart was open for these people. And if you remember on the last night of our trip, we ended up getting some drinks in this like peace bar. Mm-hmm. And there was this one woman who, who clearly was, uh, you know, I don't know, what, what would we call her? Like a, a was she, maybe a prostitute. I mean, she was, it was, you know, there were people that were selling themselves on the streets and she was there just chilling with a friend. Like it looked like it was a quiet night. And, and like, I felt like I just wanted to buy her a drink. I just wanted to like have a conversation with her, tell her like, you're beautiful. You're a special mm-hmm. person. Like, I, I know the language barrier was hard, but we put on some Jewish music. Do you remember? Yeah, and we danced. And we, and we brought her into the middle of the circle and we had so much fun. It was just a, some women having fun together yeah. and smiling and sharing and we have no agenda. Yeah. And letting her know that she's worthy, just like you're amazing. Join us. Have, let's have mm-hmm. a nice evening together. So that was kind of it was very eye-opening for me, just as yeah. far as not coming into a situation with my judgment and my misconceptions and and whatever I've thought was the truth and coming in with this openness. 
the experience, it parallels for me a lot. In fact, this is going to sound weird, but um, that experience, and I actually can compare a lot with coming to Shabbat dinner for the first time at your house, <laughs> which is... Wow. What a parallel. Right? <laughs> but I thought you'd think that was pretty humorous. But the truth is, just like showing up for Shabbat dinner at your house, I went in with my own ideas of what it would be like and the kind of people that you are, whatever that is. I, I had those ideas, just like I have the same ideas around... Um, really anybody that looks different than me, that lives different than me, we all have these preconceived ideas that get fueled by what we read and what the media gives us and you know where we choose to get our information from. But so much, so little of it actually comes from conversation directly with or exposure experiences directly around. And, and um, that's sort of where the curiosity comes in. But what, what I was going to say to that experience in Thailand, I remember being on the bus headed into this woman's uh, school, if you will, and she, she was giving women that were in the sex trafficking industry an opportunity to get out through education. And it was really, she was a Western woman, and it was really controversial what she was doing, and um, not necessarily appreciated by all locally. And I remember walking in there thinking, what? Like, why is this even controversial? Like, she's trying to give these women a way out through education. Like, why would anybody argue with that? That seems like a no-brainer to me. And then sitting and listening to her story and how she does the work that she does and understanding better the culture and the community and, and really going in, having this terrible feeling like you about Western men, feeling like gross, like how can our Western men come over here and, and violate women like this? To sitting and learning from her and understanding, really understanding a culture. And that, that for some women in, in this culture, in this community, moving into Bangkok and getting into the sex industry is an honor of some kind because they are now providing for their family in, in these other communities where they had no other option. And so these women feel this sense of pride almost in being able to contribute. The way that they're doing it is, you know, everybody can decide for themselves, right or wrong, whatnot. But for them and their, what I learned from them and their culture and their community, it's not seen the same way that you and I see it. And so even seeing that woman in the peace bar and dancing with her and, and our, you and I want to just embrace her and tell her how beautiful she is and how worthy she is and how she could do so much more with her life. But that's not really our job, right? Like that's who we are and we're going to do it and we shouldn't ever stop. But maybe she feels whole in her culture doing exactly what she's doing. Hmm. And for our ability to get curious and learn about it, opens up a whole lot more understanding and a whole lot less judgment and criticism. And maybe through opening the doors of just loving people where they're at, we can find many more similarities and, and lift everybody up to a higher standard than, um, than the judgment and the, you know, better than, less than, more than, uh, mm -hmm. 
yeah, that was a really, I could not believe the flip that I had in how I felt when I took the bus into that experience. And when I left walking the streets of Bangkok after that, I didn't, I had, in fact, I think that had a really profound impact on like who I am as a judging person. I, I grew up, I believe, to be a pretty judgmental person, meaning right and wrong, black and white, there's good and bad. And um, I definitely think that that experience in Bangkok really shattered in a lot of ways my, my black and white judgment thinking. And I work really hard now to be totally uh, open to all different ways of being without judgment. It doesn't mean that I don't choose to be a certain way. You know, I don't have, it's not that I don't have opinions, but I think there's a difference between opinions and judgment and loving people where they're at is really uh, more important to me now than deciding if it's right or wrong. And really learning, getting curious and learning about other cultures and learning about why people do what they do and how they got to that place. And just like as Jewish women, I want, I want people to ask me questions, not make assumptions or, or decide for themselves about what it's like to be a Jewish woman. And so therefore, I feel the same way about learning about other cultures. Beautiful. Wow. Jordana, imagine, imagine if we could take these, these learnings, these lessons, this passion that we feel about, about curiosity and, and bottle it up <laughs> and, and just like sell it like waters, you know, bottles of water in the grocery store, like drink the Kool-Aid, you know, totally. imagine I mean, our, our world is, is so fragmented now, right? I mean, it's, you know, I mean, I can't, who knows what's even going to be in a couple months with elections. And I just remember the, I'm still recuperating from the last elections. I mean, literally like we, we just learned very quickly, like you, you don't talk politics at your Shabbat table <laughs> because some people literally will like get up and walk out. I mean, I just saw like, and it wasn't even like, and I, the whole time I just felt like, thank God I'm not even American. Like I'm not even voting. Okay. <laughs> I'm Canadian. My husband's South African. Like you couldn't take a side. You couldn't take a stand without, without hurting someone. And just imagine if, if the world would look at whatever it's facing through this viewpoint mm. of, of making space to hear another person's perspective, it would be so beautiful. I do want to share um, some of the stories that, that we had on our first trip together, which was the Poland-Israel journey. Mm -hmm. and, and Jordana, you came on after probably three years of me like, Jordana, I want you to come with me. I, and after time, you, you got comfortable with me. I mean, we were comfortable with each other enough to, to see that there, there, you know, I guess you were able to put down your, I don't know, your fears, you know. Eve's not such a bad person. She doesn't have an agenda. She just wants me to come and be a part of this amazing experience. Mm -hmm. And I want to hear what it was like for you coming in and seeing what was going on and the diversity that we had. Yeah, you know, um, I can't believe it was three years. <laughs> That's wow. crazy. Um, ultimately, I did trust you and I was in, interested in traveling with you. In part, you know, the Poland-Israel experience uh, was a real hook for me because for my entire life, I've had this feeling that I needed to have an experience, a, a, a true personal experience around the Holocaust and, and retrace those steps. But it's not the kind of travel that one 
would want, I didn't want to plan it for myself. And it, I wasn't in a place in my life where I wanted to plan it for my family. And so as with everything I believe coming together as it's supposed to, you presented an opportunity that the combination of you and, and me building that trust with you and going on this experience that I had felt like, oh, I, I know I need to do this for myself and for my, my family and for my life. I ultimately said yes. But what I didn't know until we got a couple days probably into the trip, I didn't, I really didn't know too many people going on the trip. I knew some names of some people that were going to be on the group, but I, I didn't go with a friend, so to speak. And I was, I was mind blown at your ability to cultivate and really curate an incredible diverse group of women, not just from Portland, from, you know, Israel, from all over the world, we had women join us, but it wasn't even just, it wasn't, I thought I might be on a trip with a lot of very orthodox women. And I thought, oh, Eve must want me as like this token reform, like uh, someone different kind of thing, or I don't know. Roshanna, you were the religious one. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> exactly. So it took me a couple of days, maybe a couple of hours into the trip to realize, wow, like this is this is amazing. There's so many different characters mm. for me to experience on this trip that are totally different from me and different from one another. I, and I, I loved that. I loved being immersed in, in that. And the one thing that bound us all was Judaism and some, some converted, some, you know, hadn't practiced in a long time. Some, you know, were, highly observant, like for all kinds, all walks of life. And there was so much respect right out the gates. And there was um, that really seeing what you cultivated there. If I had already been trusting you, it was like skyrocketed now because I, I now understood you really were just trying to give exposure and experiences and um, really bring together Jewish women because together we're stronger. I, you said something the other day that I was like, oh my gosh, yes. I can't remember exactly what it was, but the idea of, you know, focusing on what bonds us rather than what divides us. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you could bring together such a diverse group of women to really have conversation and have tough conversation. And I remember asking some really tough questions about in that really buggy hotel that I'm sure you'll never go back to. Um, really tough questions around why Orthodox women cover their, their hair and their heads all the time, right? And I'm not gonna lie, there are some days where I'm really jealous. <laughs> but, but I remember having kind of, um, not a heated discussion, but I didn't agree. And, and I asked the question and then I, I heard the answer as to why. And, I, and it was like, I decided for myself, that wasn't something that I could wrap my head around. I didn't agree. I don't remember exactly what was said, but the, that doesn't matter. What matters is that the very next day, it could have been that Rebecca and I weren't interested in never talking again, because we have different views and you know, it's, you know, we're different and that's that. But no, like it, it wasn't like it didn't happen. It wasn't like the conversation didn't happen. It was more like, I appreciate that you feel differently about this. And I love you for who you are. And we, you know, came home, went for coffee. Like I haven't seen her in a long time, but I, I would love to. Like I, there's no, it's like an understanding and a respect to be mm. different. And, and that to me, isn't that what we all, like 
that talk about putting it in the bottle. Like, you don't have to agree. We don't have to be all the same. In fact, I don't want us to be all the same. And I, and I, I never got that, that from would be you. Boring. That would be right. so boring. That's what I got from our trip. You didn't want, you weren't trying to change all of us to be like you. You were trying to enrich your life and everyone else's life around you by exposure to different and other. And not just through the experiences you were taking us through, but through the people that were having the experience together. So cool. Wow. Um, yeah, it was, it was kind of a life changing experience for me because I talk about unity. I believe in unity. You know, the, the hashtag of JWRP momentum trips is one of their top values that we talk about is unity without uniformity. And honestly, mm -hmm. that is what lights my heart on fire. I believe in it and I, I live it. Mm -hmm. So with this trip in particular, it was more diverse than I had even imagined. And I remember going into it with a little bit of trepidation, like, how is this really gonna turn out? Like, yeah. I'm gonna set the stage for unity, but ultimately, what if people are petty? What if people can't get what I'm trying to create here? Like, yeah. I had no idea how it was gonna turn out. And in one of my conversations before the trip, I, so I got this phone call from Rivka Klein, who's our dear friend. Yes. Who's in Borough Park, or, you know, her husband is a Hasid, and they're Hasidish. Like, I, I don't know too many Hasidish women in my world. I don't, I just don't have that exposure. So for me, there might've been a little judgment coming on, on my own, on her, like, well, how is this going to work? Are you going to be able to handle this? You know? So I just remember, you know, worrying about it a little bit in my mind and she called again and we spoke again. And I said to her, listen, Rivka, there's no Jewish woman that I wouldn't allow to come onto this experience with us. Like, of course you could join us. But I have one request that you leave your judgment at the door. You're going to come in and you're going to search for the beauty and the light in every person and not focus on what separates us and divides us. Mm -hmm. If you could do that, if we could do this, it's going to be amazing. We're all going to grow from this experience. Yeah. And on that first day of the trip, seeing everyone coming together from literally all over the world and all different parts of the Jewish world, I just felt like pinching myself, like it's happening. It's mm -hmm. happening. Like all I did was set the stage for this, but this is what I think the, the world needs, what the Jewish world needs for sure. Yeah. And I was thinking, talking about that dream of like bottling up this, this energy and this excitement for curiosity. I also want to bring it to the Jew, to the from world, to the Orthodox world, the ultra Orthodox world, that they, that my friends in that world, I, I walk in many different worlds, in, in the Jewish world. And I'm thinking every, every part of the Jewish world could use a little bit of this. And I, I'm wondering what it would be like if the Orthodox community would be more open and accepting of other people that are not like them. I think there's work to do on that side. There's work to do on the side that you're on. There's work to do on all sides, right? Imagine what we could do and the change that we could be in the world if we just led with this very different experience. Yeah, I so mean, I'm I, I'm, I am forever grateful to the Orthodox community in Portland that I have had, and it's, there are very few that I would consider in my circle per se, compared to how many are here, and there's, and we're a pretty small community at that, but the few that have opened their doors, uh, that I've been able to have Shabbat dinners in their homes, that I've been able to have really, really real conversations with and ask really tough questions. And I remember leaving Auschwitz and um, asking you and your mom why you have so many children. And 
had I not had the experiences that I had had, I wouldn't have felt comfortable asking that question. I would have felt like it was rude or it was insensitive or it was inappropriate or any of those things. And you opened up the opportunity for me to get curious and ask a question. And I, and maybe there's different answers from different Orthodox Jews, but I was able to ask you and your mom in that moment. And that forever changed my, my previous opinion on why Orthodox Jews have so many children. I actually, frankly, thought it was irresponsible and it, and it irritated me prior mm -hmm. to understanding from you the background and, and, um, and the why. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to have eight children, but I can have, um, uh, you still have some time. <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> and the conversation's over. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I deeply appreciate now why um, at least you and Gotti have had multiple children and, and maybe many others in the Orthodox community. And I didn't understand that before and I would have never had an outlet to ask that question. I could have looked on Google. I could have like researched in other ways. And that's what I'm talking about. It's different than having the opportunity to be curious and have conversation, have experiences, get, get in it, put yourself in it rather than being an outsider reading about looking and making opinions through someone else's filter it's yours when you can have that conversation when you can go into that that physical space uh with people that are different than you that's that becomes you can then own however you feel or whatever you think it's not been filtered through anybody else and i think that's really really valuable yeah. Well, that, that conversation, that walk from, you know, when we were walking out of Auschwitz uh, and caring so much from a whole couple days and we were, that was when we were leaving and you having that conversation and putting it out there and, and, and that was like a struggle that you were holding and it was bothering you. That was a gift. It was a gift for me and for my mother to be able to be with you in that moment and see your, I saw your aha, like, you know, it wasn't even the answer that we had. It was just the experience and walking hand in hand. We were arm in arm together, like proud with our Israeli flags. And that was a gift, the gift of, of this, like the openness that was created. Um, it was very powerful for me. I'll, I, I'm grateful to you, Jordana, for being so brave always and, and speaking your mind and asking those questions and, and, and really like opening yourself to a, a true, beautiful, friendship and relationship between you and I and our families, and hopefully it should just continue for many years. So I think to end, I would love for you to read the, the poem that you wrote, and you read this at the banquet at our, you know, final farewell from our Poland-Israel trip. It was eight incredibly packed days, and a lot of ahas, and a lot of highs and lows, and a lot of bonding. And at that banquet, you got up, and you spoke so powerfully and you shared this poem that you wrote. I don't know where you wrote it. Did you write it in- On a bus, on one of the bus rides. Bus rides, okay. Well, it's, it's so gorgeous and I wanna just end with that. Open your mind, open your heart, open the door. If you don't get open, you have no way of knowing what it will be on the other side. Always know what you're saying no to. Gather information, make decisions for yourself. Have courage to face your fears and meet people. Explore other worlds, seek the truth, find the light, be the light, share the light. Thank you. Wow. This was so special, very powerful, and I'm sure many people will 
I don't know, consider, consider being a little bit more open to the people in their world. And, uh, you know, God willing, we should just see this world becoming a, the place that we want to raise our children in and um, a better place for the future. And uh, yeah, thank you, Jordana. Thank so, you so, so for the opportunity. Okay. Bye, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you for being a part of our community. There is so much more coming your way. Stay tuned and have a great, inspired day.